everybody. Welcome to the Monday edition of Winners and Winers Radio. I am your host, Scott Steen, lead handicapper over at winnersandwiners.com. And I'm your co-host, Scott Rochelle, senior handicapper over at winnersandwiners.com. And together, we make up Winners and Winers Radio. Give us an hour, and we'll give you the winners. Speaking of winners, Scott, I know that's all you've been doing out there in fabulous Las Vegas. How's your weekend going? Uh, overall fine. I would say I didn't start off as a winner on the trip because I got delayed and stuck in the airport for about nine hours, but they paid me for it. I was going to say, so you, you came out okay. Worse, you basically uh, paid, yeah, could you, have been worse. You paid for your trip, basically. Yeah, they basically paid for the trip, which was nice. But other than that, I'm here now. My voice, unfortunately, did not make the trip over, but hopefully I'll get it back within a day or two. Is that from yelling at all the UFC fights? Uh, part of it. I mean, the UFC Chan stuff definitely didn't help my voice. It was either that, just the screaming in the casino in general, or I don't know, just having a good time, I guess. Screaming in the casino, are you? Yeah, I mean, sports book, casino, whatever. Okay. All right. Very good. Uh, I heard you heard, I heard you saw a pretty good UFC card. Uh, I did. It was a lot of fun. Showed up, uh, in the middle of the, uh, hooker fight, which was one of the last prelims. Wait, wait, there was hookers fighting? Uh, there was a hooker fighting, but that's because that's his last name. Oh, so, you know, you got man, the other idea. Man, Vegas but is nuts. Vegas is crazy. But anyway, uh, yeah, it was a lot of fun. I know that the Ortega Volkanovsky fight was pretty much all people were talking about. Uh, it was very, very entertaining. I still don't know how people call it one of the best fights of all time. And then one judge gives it a 50 to 44 on the scorecards, which doesn't make any sense to me. I thought it was a great fight. I had a uh, 49, 46. And yeah, the right guy won, but were you keeping your own sc- you keeping your own scorecard? Uh, I always do. Like, well, because because you have to keep in mind that if you end up having money on a fight, or you end up keeping just mental tabs by force of habit, right? You're always grading each individual round in your own heads, so you have some vague idea of who's winning. Okay. Do you ever do that? Yeah, I usually have a vague idea of who's winning, and a lot well, of times I mean, I'm in not general, because right. if you if you want to live bet it, for example, and you see live odds that don't reflect what you think the score should be then you can find some value on it. Yeah, I do. Um, my problem is I don't have the skill level that those judges have to recognize some of the intricacies. So that's good. You're having fun. I know you stayed the first night at MGM, and now you're over at uh, the new one, Resorts World. Yeah, fun time. You went to the went to the Circa Pool slash EDM Dance Club Buffet? Extravaganza. <laughs> I don't know, man. You were saying that they've it's set up. It's like a pool party where they got giant TVs, and they have sports betting out there. Uh, how are the uh, yeah. how are the lines lines bad? Uh, the lines were mostly inside. I didn't really see many lines outside, but that's why I also got the app. So I was using the Sork app for the most part, and that made it a lot easier. It also allowed me to bet on the UFC fights while I was at the UFC event, which was always a bonus. That's cool. That was kind of my main logic. I didn't want to wait on the line, so the first thing I did, I got an app. Yeah, oh, very good, very good. That's solid. And you said they were cranking the EDM music out there. They, they were. It was kind of like a, a half rave, half club atmosphere. Yeah. But everyone's just watching college football, which I thought was a little bit interesting. <laughs> but I had a good time. Uh, the weather was nice, so can't complain. You know, just just there's something about Molly and college football that just really don't go together for me. I just see, I've never tried that, but since it, everything usually takes place in a college town, I'm sure somebody thought about that. Before. I have no idea how people listen to dance music or EDM without taking Molly. That's my that's my only contribution to this. But then again, fair enough. I'm old and I like real I like real instruments. So anyway, that was all good. Yeah, you had, a, you had a fun out there for your uh, for the college. You saw some good college games and some decent NFL games. A lot going on. 
And as always on our Monday show, we have a ton to get to. We're going to recap the weekend of college action, NFL action, lay out our uh, best bet in our Bet the Farm segment. We'll be talking about, you know, you know the drill. Monday show, man, it is jam-packed full of uh, information. Bonus size beats, bonus size rocking chairs. So, Scott, without further ado, let's get right to it, shall we? Let's find out the people that maybe took it in the shorts a bit. And there's a couple of them out there. I know everybody has their favorite. We had to narrow it down to our best six. Guys, it's time for the jumbo-sized edition of Call the Cops. All right. Scott, you've been checking out that legal weed out in Vegas? Been hitting the been hitting the wacky tobacco pretty hard? Uh, I have not. Okay. But some people might need it after some of these beats. Absolutely true. All right. Well, let's get rolling, shall we? We're going to a little change of pace as we usually start with baseball, but we've got other things to talk about. How about Michigan State? Minus five. Martinez, uh, surprisingly, Scott, in overtime, he threw an interception. I know. Who would have guessed, right? Uh, the cornerback for Michigan State has a convoy headed back to the end zone. He's got three blockers out in front of him. Somehow, a guard follows him down all the way, slips in behind him, trips him up. And on first down, they so then they reset it, of course, at the 25. And first down, Walker runs for 23 yards, gets tripped up at the two. They got two more shots to get it in the end zone. Cover that number, Scott. Nope. Run for one. Run for nothing. Uh, and then I'm running out of nerves because it's time to kick the field goal. They did. They win by three, but that ain't five. If you had Michigan State right there in a really good spot, eh, I don't know what to tell you except call the cops. And the next one was between Clemson and NC State. Arguably the worst beat of the weekend was the under 45 in that game. 14 to 14 and NC State has a shot at a game-winning field goal. Now the kicker was already 0 for 2, but those were pretty much from 50. So he's got a pretty makeable right down the middle kick from 39 yards out, career 80 something percent kicker, not even close. Completely hooked it, went to overtime, and you know that it's called overtime and not undertime because they went to two overtimes and both teams who couldn't score touchdowns the entire game could not stop scoring touchdowns in overtime. And the game ended up landing at 48 after you had about four touchdowns in overtime. Brutal. We uh, really just bad beats all around. It was a four or five? I'm trying to remember, but it wasn't pretty. Yeah. Yeah. Not, not good. Not good at all. Like I said, yeah, they don't call it undertime. They really don't call it double undertime. That's just a hard way to lose that one. And if you had Auburn... Under 57 and a half. First of all, congratulations for playing unders in college football. It takes uh, the nerves of a cat burglar to do that. And these are games like this are the reasons why. They had 43 points with three minutes left. Auburn uh, well in hand of the game, although uh, Georgia State gave them all they wanted, didn't they, Scott? Uh, you can put it that way. I would put it that way. Uh, but they Auburn should have lost the game. Uh, they yeah, they certainly could have. Autumn, uh, Auto, Auburn had a 98-yard TD drive. They competed, com- converted the two-point conversion with 45 seconds left, and then Georgia State, your buddy Cornelius Quad Brown, throws the pick six. Scott, this is going to be a theme that we maybe come back to. Auburn wins 34-24. If you're adding it up, that's 58, and if you're subtracting. Uh, 57 and a half from 58 still leaves you a half point too tall. If you had the under 57 and a half there, 
I can't even imagine it. I can't even imagine because uh, that's seriously called the cops. For the record, by the way, the NC State Clemson game had three overtime touchdowns. It just felt like twelve because nobody scored for what felt like ages right. <laughs> in that game. Yeah. No. But anyway, looking at call, uh, college football one more time, Notre Dame and Wisconsin. And if you had the under forty-four and a half there, you're going to see the final total of fifty-four and think that it definitely was not a bad beat until you learned exactly what happened because you had twenty points going into the fourth quarter. Can I interest you in 34 points in the final 15 minutes of the game, including two pick sixes and a kickoff return touchdown game landed 54, but that's just ridiculous. <laughs> that's absolutely brutal. Uh, I think Merch just threw another pick six, Scott. Hang on. Yep. That's, wouldn't that's surprise confirmed. Me. He is, he's not good, buddy. Yep. He is not good at all. Finally, if you had, uh, if you had the Las Vegas Raiders minus three and a half, like I did, Playing Miami, Las Vegas is up eight. They toyed with them a little bit, but they finally did their thing. Las Vegas, by the way, terrible first half team, great second half team, but uh, they're up with they're up eight, three twenty two left. Miami converted a fourth down, and then they get the dreaded uh, defensive pass interference in the end zone, and absolutely no reason for it whatsoever. Scott, the cornerback, basically held his hands down or held his arms down. As the safety was coming over to help out, the safety had him absolutely perfectly covered. No reason to touch that receiver, but they did. They get the TD. They get the two-point conversion. Over well, they got the TD on fourth down on the final play, by the way. That's right. And they did get, yeah, they got the TD with, with ended up with two seconds left on the clock. Fourth down. And fourth down, correct. And then it goes to, uh, they get the two-point conversion, of course. Then it goes to overtime, but you know what? Who cares? Las Vegas minus three and a half. Although, the Raiders did have a chance for the miraculous cover if they could have gotten uh, just one of those runs at the end of the game to break. Couldn't quite get there. They had a, they had a couple of shots at it, just couldn't have that extra step. They end up taking a couple of shots at it, even from like the five-yard line. And then Gruden says, you know what, that's about enough of that, and kicks the field goal. So, ugh, just brutal. You had Las Vegas yep. minus three and a half. Call the cops. Call your call your uh, analyst. Call your, call your psychologist. Just call somebody. I still think the worst beat in that is probably going to be it's either the Auburn one or the Clemson one for me. I mean, those two are just next level. The Notre Dame Wisconsin one's bad, but you didn't lose in about the final minute or in double overtime. Right. Those two are atrocious. Not good. Not, 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 not good at all. So, um, did that really, what are, where are we doing that? Um, what we do, where's the Baltimore game? Um, I took it out because I thought we were saving that for something else. What are we saving it for? I'm, I was looking. I'm looking. I thought we were doing Gambling Hero. Okay. All right. All right. Very good. Well, okay. So that certainly could be called the cops. All right. Very good. That That's where it is. All right, Scott. So let's... So, so we only spent like, what, two hours getting ready for this show? You think I would have... Never mind. All right. So the opposite. Call the cops. These are the people that were sitting in the great position. They had a nice, easy victory. No sweat. Scott, they could just sit there at the Circa bar and drink kamikazes and and pound margaritas and listen to Darude all day long because you were sitting in the rocket chair. So the first one was in a match between New Hampshire and Pittsburgh. And if you had the over 52 and a half, well, you only need to watch one half because you had 56 points in the first half. Pittsburgh scored 77 points. I think they were a little annoyed after losing to Western Michigan last week. And the game landed 84 
So if you ended up having the over 52 and a half, you were just hoping they didn't shorten the quarters in the second half. I'm, I'm guessing uh, a Pittsburgh um, laying the points was a, probably a pretty good rocking chair bet as well. I don't know. I, don't, I do not think the spread was 70. I was going to say, I don't know what it was, but it, it wasn't 70. So, yeah, nicely done there. Scott, what's the, what's the uh, mascot for New Hampshire? Uh, that I do not know. I, I don't know it either. I, I know, you know, Vermont. I'm good, with, I'm good with the FBS mascots. It's the FCS ones that usually give me a bit of a hard time. Well, if they, you know, sometimes you know them from, from basketball. Yeah, that's what, that's what I'm trying to think like, of. Like, you know, New Vermont's, the, of course, the Catamounts and things like that. You, you know the well, main... Because New Hampshire stinks. I mean, they're in the same conference as Albany and company, and they're never any good. New yep. Hampshire's always a bottom feeder like Binghamton. Okay. All right. Well, at least you're not salty about it. You know what I found? I'm not salty. I just don't know it. What's 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 the? I found this out the other day. What's the, what's the nickname for the Long Island team? Uh, well, they changed it because yeah. it used to be the. Sh- isn't it the Sharks? It's now? the Sharks. How stupid! Do you see a lot of sharks in Long Island? You live in Long Island. I've never seen a shark. I was gonna say, have you ever seen a shark? Maybe it's I, ha- a- I have on vacation, like in a swimming with shark situation, but never in person. <laughs> I don't think that's a thing, Scott. I don't think you swim uh, with sharks. I don't, I don't think they filmed. I don't, I don't think they filmed Jaws in New York. It's that swimming way. with sharks. <laughs> I like to swim with the sharks. You get in there and it's just like Jerry Tarkanian floating around in the pool. <laughs> uh, that's a that's a little much, but yes, I didn't Tow- mean towel floating I, I, as well. Yeah, I didn't mean like present day, no longer with us, Jerry Tarkanian. I meant back. It's, it's him, Greg Norman. You know, the usual. Thing. Yeah, that'd be good, too. Very good. All right. Where were we? Oh, hey, the Battle of Texas. My goodness. Texas Tech and Texas wasn't really the Battle of Texas. It went about the way the first one went. Uh, if you had over 63, another uh, first half, no sweat, because they put up 56 points in the first half. Texas. My goodness, Scott. Somebody speaking of salty. Uh, the horn's a little salty there. They put up 70 on poor Texas Tech. If you had the over 63. You had the team total over 63. Whatever you had, as long as it was involving the over, you were golden. Just uh, just sit in that rocket chair and relax. And now looking at the opposite end of the spectrum in the NFL, if you had the Broncos and Jets under 42, that was pretty easy because no quarter had more than 10 points. The Jets did not score again or did not score a touchdown again. And the Broncos won at 26 to nothing. Awful. Just awful. It was great for me, Survivor. Yeah, got to keep the survivor alive. Is that who you had? Of course. I had Arizona, dude. I was sweating. You're sweating for about two and a half quarters, mm-hmm. worn to the pick six, and yep. then it was over at that yep. point. Yep, exactly right. So uh, if you had Bengals plus three against the Pittsburgh Steelers, Scott, I, I threw my arm out of, out of socket, pat, pat myself on the back about our about our Steelers call so far. But I, I believe we said all week long we uh, thought that Pittsburgh was going to be overvalued moving forward, especially with Watt being out. Yeah. On the early lines, we both like Cincinnati. Yep. And yeah, it really wasn't that close. Yeah. In all in all honesty, we've been talking about this since February or March mm-hmm. that this just isn't a team that's going to go forward in any fine fashion. But yeah, the Bengals plus three made a great bet because they never trailed. They led by at least seven points for the final thirty minutes and thirty three seconds. They win twenty four to ten. Spoiler alert, Ben Roethlisberger is terrible. If you had the Bengals plus three, congratulations, you were sitting in the rocking chair. Yep, not really much else to add. Big Ben, I don't know if you should bench him. We talked about it, but you got to – there's no way he's better than Mason Rudolph at this point. I can't I can't imagine that he is. I just I just can't. So, I, I don't – and I, I don't know that they're going to allow that to happen. I think 
I think Steelers brass, where they have the real, real talk, real conversations. I think they're willing to write this season off to let Ben have his due. And I think they might, but they also might use the peck injury as a scapegoat to try to give Rudolph maybe a couple of games at the end of the season. Could be, could be. Uh, Ben's like, I'm really fine. No, you're not. You're not fine at Cause, all. Because Ben's realistically, if, even if he gets surgery and everything like that, we know that he's a tough guy. Yeah. But you have a perfect excuse if you want to bench him for a couple weeks. Agreed. Absolutely agreed. All right, bud. Well, let's find out who's strapping on the golden feed bag for today. We had multiple, multiple candidates for this. But one really stood out to both of us and it uh, came close to my heart, Scott. Let's find out who it was, who indeed is the donkey of the day. All right, by the way, guys, I want to remind you here that you are listening to Winners and Winners Radio. Give us an hour, and we will give you the winners. Scott, it wasn't a great day as a Chiefs fan. They lost to the Chargers. That game that actually I had as one of my plays of the day. I had the Chargers taking care of business there, a team that frequently plays the Chiefs tough. And the Chargers, they did their best to give it away, Scott. Now, Brandon Staley, I'll set the stage here for you. Of course, you guys have all seen the highlights. Chiefs had a very nice defensive stand, holding the Chargers to a field goal. Instead of taking the lead, the Chargers just tied it up. Patrick Mahomes had the ball. A little less than three minutes left. What more do you want? They got a timeout in their pocket. All you got to do is let Mahomes do his magic, waltz right down the field, yada, yada, yada. Now, funny story, Scott. They uh, couldn't couldn't get one first down. On third down, Mahomes under pressure, rolling right, trying to do too much once again, and uh, threw it, got it up in the wind there a little bit. Very windy day at Arrowhead. Overthrew it, interception. The Chargers, of course, roll right down the field, not just into field goal position, but all the way down inside of the five. So, Scott, at that point, Chiefs still have their one timeout. There's about, I don't know, what do you got, 40, 40, 40 seconds on the clock or so? The only thing that matters is the two-minute warning already passed. Two-minute warning had already passed. So, what you should do in this situation... Kneel the ball. You, you kneel the ball on first down. You make the Chiefs call their timeout on, second, on, on, uh, on first down. And then on second down... You kneel the ball down again. You let the clock run all the way down under 10 seconds. You call your timeout. You kick the field goal. Bob's your uncle. Scott, what'd they do instead? They scored the touchdown Mm -hmm. and decided to give the ball back to arguably the most talented quarterback of all time and force their defense to make a stand. And to make matters worse, they missed the extra point. Mm -hmm. That's right. That's exactly right. So the Chiefs were driving not only for the game-tying field goal, but the, the game, game, to- the game touchdown. or game time touchdown, the game winning touchdown. Now, for the record, the Chargers ended up winning, so it's not a full on catastrophe. But Staley was the preseason favorite to win Coach of the Year, and I am maybe alone in this. I think he should be disqualified from the award just because of p- pure stupidity. The truth is, win or lose. You can make a case to fire the guy. I know that they won the game, but that is just... My God, this is the same team that let Anthony Lynn coach for, what, what four years, five years they put up with that? They're not going to fire Staley after three games. I'm just saying... Relax. No, no, no. I I didn't say they were going to because they won the game, and I get the fact that he's supposed to be a McVay disciple and stuff like that. But 
you just went through all of that stupidity with Lynn and you got rid of him because you realized in the end it was stupid and you brought in somebody else who would most likely handle the situations better. Nope. And yet everything that he did, I could imagine Anthony Lynn doing for the last couple of years. Yeah. It was one of the stupidest things I've ever seen besides the handoff and the miracle of the Meadowlands play with Herm Edwards. Yeah. That's the old time like gaff for, for coaches that right there was one of the worst decisions I've ever seen. Yeah. And they ended up winning the game anyway. It was terrible. Now for the record, Romo pretty much said the same thing that I said, right? Right after I said it, but he had a little wrinkle in there that I didn't agree with. He said, once it gets under 10 seconds, you should try to throw the fade. If it's incomplete, obviously the clock stops, the clock stops, you kick the field goal. I see no reason for that, Scott, because if you try to run an offensive play under 10 seconds, somebody moves, there's an illegal shift. God forbid we'd see an illegal shift on on the Chargers' part. Um, the game ends in a tie, or it goes to overtime in a tie. They don't have a chance to win it because you have a 10-second runoff. They're out of timeouts. Now what do you do? It was really, really bad how they handled it. Plus, they went for it on fourth and four before that. It, yeah. it got converted on pass interference, but... They were already in field goal range. I don't really know why they didn't try to kick it at that point. But the whole last two minutes just felt like I've been watching a microcosm of Chargers clock management decisions from the last like five years. Right. All just shoved into a two minute period. Yeah, it was just it was awful. It was just. I don't know. You know, with Andy Reid, we're used to seeing stuff like although he's gotten better, Scott, he's surrounded himself with smart people and he's learned, you know, he's not. He's never going to be the greatest clock manager, but he is. It's not even a matter of being the best. All you have to do is just not be completely detrimental to your own yes, team. Yes, don't be a don't be a minus. Just don't be a minus. But eh, awful. Yeah. All right, Scott. And there was some disappointment out there, and you know, you know what it is. It's it's that it's that it's the worst expression in the world because you'd, you'd rather have them be mad. It's your your folks used to say it. Sometimes your spouse says it. You know, it's 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 not. I'm not mad, Scott. I'm just. I'm just disappointed. So, we've got a couple guys for this, Scott. You want to you want to lead off? Or you want me you want me to do the college one? Uh, I'll lead off. Okay. So, looking at the first one, we're going to be looking at Tyson Helton, who if you don't know is the coach for Western Kentucky, and they were playing against Indiana. It was actually a pretty good game, but Western Kentucky was down 2 and it was 4th and 1 at Indiana's 48-yard line. And he decided, you know, you have a chance to end up potentially upsetting a Big Ten team, a huge win for the program. What do you do if you want to win on fourth and one? Punt. That's right, you punt. And you give Indiana the ball. And Indiana ended up going on a huge drive, 14 plays, 86 yards. And, yeah, let's just say Western Kentucky never got close enough again to, I'd say, have a shot at the realistic upset so fourth and one as a huge underdog against the Big Ten team, what do you got to lose? Go for it. You got Zappy no that reason. throws the ball over the field. You can you pick up a yard? My God, it's just, just absolutely ridiculous. And a good play caller. I mean, they they certainly you've got you've got no play selection there that will get you a yard in crunch time. Did you see Florida State run the uh, longest yard play? No. What they it do? It was fourth and one, and they brought the quarterback over, the Paul Crew play, where he pretends he doesn't know the play, and they snap it to the other guy. Oh, nice. The running back got tackled for like a three-yard loss or something. It was a complete failure. We've, but all, we've all seen that movie. They tried it. <laughs> all right. So, yeah, that was – now, luckily in that game, I was, and we could have put this on call the cops because if you had the under in that game, 
it was a pretty brutal beat as Western Kentucky scored that touchdown with about, I don't know, it was certainly under like 30 seconds left. They were able to put those points yep. on the board and take it over the total, which I was on the right side of that one. So, um, And I know you've got one there from the NFL as well. Very similar situation. I do. Uh, this one I actually think is not as bad as the Helton one because the Helton one has the underdog angle and stuff like that. So I think you should go for that all the time. It's also There's, later in the game too. Yeah. But anyway, you're Joe Judge in the NFL. And of course, the former Belichick disciple has to be a genius when it comes to deciding what to do in certain situations. And then you realize he is not Belichick, no matter how many laps he makes his team run. Because in a game in which it was very close throughout, you had the Falcons against the Giants, and the Giants were down one uh, with a decent amount of time left in the third quarter. But it was fourth and three at Atlanta's 39-yard line. Graham Gano, pretty good leg. Of course, he had a great game on Thursday night against Washington last week. And they decided on fourth and three with Jones, who's been pretty good so far this season, surprisingly, and with a good kicking game, why don't we punt from fourth and three at Atlanta's 39-yard line? And then, yeah, that didn't exactly work because they ended up losing the game anyway. Now, a lot of events happen in between, but your team is in a battle. It's very, very close. You really are going to punt in a one-point game in plus territory on fourth and three? Now, see, now see, Helton, you can almost make an excuse. Well, you only had two choices. You either go for it or you punt. Joe Judge had three choices, and he makes the wrong choice. I, I don't know, you know, that's just if you're not gonna if you're not gonna go for it, kick the field goal. What can go wrong, Scott, if you try a long field goal and miss? I mean, the thing I know is that <laughs> it depends on who's your kicker. Gano has been one of the more reliable guys so far yeah. this season. Now, of course, you're outdoors, so maybe the weather in MetLife isn't the way you wanted, and maybe he prefers to go in one direction over the other. But Atlanta's defense has gotten torched for the for pretty much the entire season. You really can't pick up three yards. I was going to say for pretty much the uh, the the 2020s, but yeah, yeah that works too. Yeah, I it just just ridiculous. Stop punting on the plus side of the 50. Stop it. Just don't do it. I would say anything anything fourth and five or lower, in my opinion. Yeah, yeah. That the, if it's if it's more than fourth and five, you at least have to think about it. Yeah, well, even fourth and five, at least you know you can try to fake a play and draw them off sides or something. something. But you know, and and just to just to to illustrate the lunacy of that, the Falcons got the ball at the five yard line. So the you know the Giants are patting themselves on the back. They downed it at the five. In four plays, the Falcons were at thirty four. Scott, they were they were five yards away from where they punted from. What was Fantastic. what's what's the point? You gave up a possession for nothing. Absolutely nothing. That's the whole point of going for it there is you value possessions correctly. And most coaches, regardless of the level, still don't value possessions correctly. By the way, Scott, did you see the Army game? The Army game, I'll let you talk about, but that's a whole separate can of words. Well, I'm just going to talk about one particular play. It was fourth and one from their own 10, Scott. The math says go for it because you have roughly a 70% chance of picking up that first down. It's 70% down. chance for most teams. Mm -hmm. Army with the triple option. Yep. I got to assume that's north of 85. Probably. Probably. So they go for it. They make it. They continue the drive, and it ends up being an 11-minute drive. 
that goes 99 yards and pretty much sucks the will to live away from the uh, from the opposite. Who are they playing? Who Army playing? They played Miami, Ohio. Miami, of Ohio, sucked, that's right. It also sucked the hope you had from the over in that game because yes. I know you had that. But I did. The point is, it's a good move, especially if you trust your team to do it. You're in the NFL. You have a mobile quarterback. If Daniel Jones anything else, at yep. least he can run. You got to come up with something. I, I don't understand it. I mean, they're they're starting to learn, Scott. They're starting to get it. It's well, see the thing that is really the paradigm shifting that's happening in the NFL, which some coaches agree with and some have not really made the adjustment yet, is the prioritization of possessions in comparison to yards. Yep. And there used to be a huge priority for yards. How you want to force yep. the other team to go ninety, and worst case is we can live with them having possession as long as they have a long drive. Right. And now you realize. Why, that's just stupid. We want the ball. Yes. I mean, with all the with all the penalties that are called on the defense and how the game is officiated now, you can easily pick up ninety yards in a couple plays with one really questionable pass interference penalty sure. or a couple of plays here or there. So I think some coaches are recognizing that. That's what the Ravens did with Harbaugh. Yep. And the Lamar run on fourth and one. Other coaches are starting to adjust a little bit, but other coaches are still playing like it's or coaching like it's nineteen eighty. It's unbelievable. It is. It is unbelievable to watch, and, and it's just you're seeing it. You're seeing it play out in real time. You're like you said, though. You are seeing a paradigm shift for some coaches. They're 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 starting to get it. First of all, I think they saw the success of the Chiefs, what mm. the, and what the Chiefs were able to do in their Super Bowl season. Well, that applies to some stuff. Like some things leave in Kansas City. Stop trying to do shovel passes. It yeah. doesn't work unless Mahomes does it. Yeah, Mahomes, Mahomes, and Kelsey, and you know they've they've got so many other things going on with with the motion and, and things like that where you're running guys. It's a, out it's of a copycat league, but right. they, you can copy some schemes and ideas. Some stuff leave over there. You can't really copy. You can't really co- copy plays. Correct. So yeah. yeah, very good. Man, this is this has been a fast and fun half hour, guys. Stay tuned. We got thirty more minutes right after this. So, Scott, last time we were out in Vegas, every time we were trying to have a nice meal, what is the number one question you kept hearing whenever we were at dinner? Are you going to finish that? What? Appetizers, entrees, sides. You're always asking if I was going to finish what I was eating. Okay. Hey, in my defense, you eat slower than a turtle on Xanax. But, okay, let me make the question a little easier. What's the number one question you would get from people when you tell them you work for winners and whiners? What's winners and whiners? Exactly. So what do you tell them? I tell them that it is the place to go for your sports betting needs. They have breakdowns on every single game in a variety of sports, basketball, football, college football. We know that's coming up. It's been really a great opportunity to just get better at sports betting, and they give you all the opinions that you need. Yeah, see, and the thing I like about it is the fact that they don't just inundate you with numbers that have no context. You know, you go to some places and they just throw numbers, numbers, numbers. But they don't tell you what they mean, and you just kind of your eyes glaze over. But these guys, not only do they use those same numbers and put them in context, but they're fantastic writers. They're great handicappers. You mentioned college football coming up. That's my favorite time to use winners and whiners because they do every FBS game every single week. It is a fantastic site. Scott, what's the best part about winners and whiners? It's absolutely free to use. That's right. It is absolutely free to use. Winnersandwiners.com. You absolutely have to check it out. You need to make this site part of your daily handicapping regimen. If you are not doing it, you are absolutely leaving money on the table. So, see? That wasn't that hard at all, right? Sure. You're still getting none of my fries. What? I, I didn't I didn't say a word. 
I saw you looking at them. Seriously, dude, it's it's been like an hour. If you're not going to eat them, oh man, that's brutal. All right, fine. Seriously though, winnersandwiners.com. Go there or be square. Give us an hour, and we'll give you the winners. Now we're down to 30 minutes, Scott. So still a lot going on on our uh, on our recap show. But we know we wanted to talk about this. I know you're out in Vegas. You've maybe had a cocktail or two, Scott? Uh, you know, a little bit more than two, but at least two is a start. I mean, I know you didn't drink any today because you had to stay you know, sober as a judge ready for the show, but I'm assuming... That's, you, that's what you think. I'm assuming yesterday you had some, you had some cocktails, so... Wait, you're saying that you don't pregame the show on the regular day? I do not. No, I'm. <laughs> it's nobody. Nobody gave me that memo. <laughs> Sorry, buddy. I thought it was in the company handbook. We'll uh, we'll make sure you get a copy. Next I thought the time. drinks were covered by the company. Oh, <laughs> uh, I got bad news about getting comp there, my friend. But you know what? You weren't the only one that was drunk because there was definitely a situation in more than one. But we've narrowed it down to one. The odds makers, Scott. Maybe you got a chance to see them out there in Vegas. Maybe they're big drinkers. You should. You should. Are they? Did you see any of them? Are they hammered? They might be. Yeah, because the odds makers out there today, man, they were definitely drunk. Can I do this one? Yeah, I know this is this one's close to your. It was close to you. This is we sifted through a lot and we definitely figured out the right one. Go ahead, buddy. So this one involves a college that I went to because it involves Wisconsin. And we know Wisconsin was taking on Notre Dame. We mentioned that in the Call the Cops segment with the total. However, we got to talk about the side because Wisconsin had a week off going into this game and Wisconsin was favored by six and a half. And you thought, you know, the extra time off, the preparation might help. I know both of us liked Notre Dame anyway. Uh-huh. And the main reason was because of the fact that Wisconsin has a quarterback who – Let's just say should really be paying attention to his studies because he doesn't really have much pro future. He's the second best quarterback that played for Wisconsin that was on that field on Saturday. That's one way to put it. Now, Graham Mertz was awful. I'm not going to spend too much time roasting a college kid, but the point is that Wisconsin against a competent ranked team cannot be laying six and a half in a neutral with a quarterback who can't throw. No, no. Mertz is awful. He shouldn't be playing. He's just a bad player. And I know that people are going to try to defend the college kid, and I get the fact that he's a sophomore and he's got time to grow. I don't really know what more you need to see. He can't play the position at this level. He he's does, not good. He, he doesn't, he's got the arm strength. He doesn't seem to have the decision-making ability. He doesn't and you see, look at the overall he doesn't talent see, He doesn't the see team. the field well. Wisconsin always has a top-10 offensive line. Mm-hmm. The receivers, you have Danny Davis, who's pretty good. You have a couple of options there. And they run good routes. He just cannot find guys or make the right reads at pretty much any given time. And yet the odds makers were thinking, you know, Wisconsin should be favored by around a touchdown in this game. Like, are you serious? I didn't see it. I, I just, you know, I guess they Wisconsin were. Wisconsin never led by more than what, three? And that was for about eight seconds because Notre Dame took the following kickoff back for a touchdown. Yep. And, you know, I think the deal is they were looking at kind of some weak performances from Notre Dame where they kind of played with their food against Toledo, maybe could have beat up on Purdue a little bit more. So they're looking at a team that kind of appears to be a little disinterested, but Notre Dame 
it's one of those teams that can play up or down to the level of their competition. And mm-hmm. they stepped it up. It was a big national TV neutral site game. They were fired up. They were ready to go. Just brutal. I don't. I didn't. I, I didn't understand it then. I didn't understand it during the game, and I don't understand it now. Scott, that line was one of the worst I've seen in a long time. And you brought up a great point as we sit here, um, you know, on on my fat ass and and, and us and sitting here, we're, we're roasting college kids. I get it. He's nineteen, twenty years old. We're not saying he's a bad human being. We're not even saying he has no future. Probably a great kid. It's just the fact that at the major college level, he is not an above average quarterback right now. He's on average. He's No, he's nowhere near average. The truth is you can talk about any quarterback in the conference, the Big Ten specifically. You can talk about Rutgers and Illinois because I'm not a big Brandon Peters guy either. But Mertz might be the worst quarterback in the entire conference, and you're supposed to compete for a conference. I haven't, seen, I haven't seen Northwestern play a lot. I suspect he's not good. Um, well, but- Hunter John- we did see Hunter Johnson week one, who was not very good. But Mertz, I don't know how many starts you can keep giving this guy. What's just not very good. At what's the, the and you're you're in the you're the Wisconsin guy. What's what's the backup situation? Who's who's behind Mertz? Is there any help on the way? Well, that's kind of funny you bring that up because Mertz ended up getting pulled in the Eastern Michigan game because they were winning by a lot. The backup came in and gave up a 98 yard pick six. Terrific. So think? they somehow have fifty thousand people on campus or more for Wisconsin, and yet. Nobody knows how to throw a football, but the answer is Chase Wolf. Chase Wolf? Yeah. I, I think that's what you do when you leave your leisure time. I, I have no idea, but that's maybe, well, a sign that Wisconsin should try to go through the transfer route like they did with Russell Wilson about 10 years ago or so. I've heard of him. He's, all these homegrown guys who keep trying to recruit, they might have either been decent prospects in high school and you've completely destroyed them in college, mm-hmm. but they were never very talented to begin with. Scott, I'm going to, I'm going to help you out here. I, I just wanted to let the fine folks in the, uh, in the athletic department at Wisconsin know, and correct me if I'm wrong here, but I believe you still have four years of eligibility at Wisconsin left. Is that correct? Uh, yes. Because of the fact that you had the whole, um, yeah, you had the eligibility with COVID and everything like that. So yes. You so you still have, you still have four years. So if they technically, want, technically, talk about me. Yeah, if they wanted to call you, you. you well, I mean, I didn't play a single yeah. down in college, so sure. You're but good. I'd have, to get, I'd have to go to grad school or something. Whatever. Yeah, you could go take you know six hours and whatever sports. If the job is to throw to the other team, I could do that pretty well. Fair enough. How far can you throw a football? Uh, probably not as far as you need to to play a D one. Have you ever like just winged one? I've never. I've never. I have not actually thrown around a football in like a, an actual game environment since probably college and that was intramural flag football like it's i have not ever been in that situation so of course play, that's the cat that's the caveat well if you're just if you're just down and just, criticizing a guy who, if you're just standing at the 50 how can you get it to the can you get it to the end zone probably not okay all right good enough all right i'm being, I'm being honest but yeah. once again if you think i'm being harsh sorry i'm willing to be honest about people who are relatively around my age yep the way it works and, and and for me i've got kids i roast them all the time so I don't, I don't feel bad um we normally do our survivors segment there were really no survivors that got knocked off i guess somebody you might have been playing the chiefs to try to get fancy but if you did you weren't looking at the matchup history between those two teams truth is if you took the chiefs instead of taking denver or taking Arizona or any of these teams, yeah, you pretty much deserve to lose. It's a great. It's a was a great spot to pick to play Denver. 
Uh, I went the other way. I, I, I faded the other crappy team in the Jacksonville Jaguars, and it I won't, I won't say it almost bit me, but it was a little more uncomfortable than I wanted it to be. We mentioned earlier it was two and a half quarters. Uh, well, the Ravens or the Raiders would have been the yeah. Ravens were the big ones. They yeah. ended up winning in the end. Yeah, that would the have Raiders been Raiders were close, but still. That would have been that would have been the big sting right there for sure if the if the uh, Ravens wouldn't have won that one. So all right, buddy. Um there were some surprises out there and uh, probably the biggest surprise to me and we kind of saw it last week against Baltimore. And as a Chiefs fan, we were able to say, you know what? The Chiefs, they're up to a really good team. They Lamar Jackson, he's a one-of-a-kind talent. You're not going to have that kind of problem with any other team. Scott, to me, this Chiefs team looks average. The defense, of course, still looks below average. But the offense, where you normally count on them to make up for that difference, they look average. Mahomes looks fine, but he's not exemplary right now and I know we, we talked about the defense that everybody's made the adjustment they're playing you know Tony Tony Romo talked about keeping the put, putting the lid on it they're just all they're playing two high safeties they're doubling up Hill they're doubling up Kelsey um although the, the Mahomes was able to find Kelsey for a couple of third down plays that just makes me scratch my head I texted I texted my buddy I said that anybody that doesn't double cover Kelsey on third down is in the same boat with people that pitch to Sal Perez and throw him strikes. I, I don't understand it. There's just no reason for it whatsoever. So we saw the Chiefs get beat. We saw Tampa Bay get beat. You look at the board, according to FanDuel, Kansas City still favored to win the Super Bowl. Of course, the odds now are plus 550. It's a wide open race, but they are still the favorite at plus 550. Tampa Bay is plus 650. They're the second favorite. Is that where these teams should be ranked, Scott? I think that it's a fair assessment if you think that they're going to figure it out by season's end because, once again, there are 18 weeks, not 17. Right. So you got a lot of time to actually figure it out. Tampa lost that Monday night game against Los Angeles last year, and people thought everything was about to fall apart. Chiefs killed them. Didn't matter. They won the Super Bowl. So I'm not going to overreact this early to early season struggles. But at the end of the day, you have Brady on one side and Mahomes on the other. And they're daring you to take another team with a quarterback that hasn't been there before. But in most cases, of course, the Packers have Rodgers, who's been there, stuff like that. But I understand it. Do I think that – am I going to waver as of right now in my prediction that the Chiefs are going to play the Buccaneers in the Super Bowl? No, because I still think that when they're right or even 90% right, they are very, very tough to beat. Okay. I have, I have much more confidence in the Buccaneers than I do the Chiefs. Is that because of how deep the AFC is or because you just think that the Chiefs have more flaws than Tampa Bay? Yes, I think they have more flaws than Tampa Bay right now. I, I really do. There's something I'm not going to overreact to the Buccaneers losing to the Rams no, because on the I had the Rams winning that game. Right, I did I did too. And you, you, you go on the road, you play arguably, probably, if not the best team in the NFC, certainly top three. I'm not going to say Antonio Brown's worth that much to a point spread, no. but when you're used to some type of, I'd say, breakdown in terms of snap percentage, and you suddenly have to call a guy up instead of Tony Antonio Brown. I do think that hurts the offensive oh, Brady, continuity a little Brady bit. Brady still threw for 430 or something. I mean, it wasn't. He threw for a lot, but let's be real. The Rams were leading the entire fi second half. Fi right, 50, 55 attempts. Yeah. You know, he ain't going to last throw 55 attempts. I am much more interested, Scott. I think there's good value on the Rams at plus 950 and the Bills at plus 1,000. Well, I think that's Stafford proof today because there was the narrative that he can never beat winning teams. 
Probably coaching because Stafford was really, really good. Or team. or surrounding himself with terrible talent. For, that for, too. For but Detroit I'm just saying too. people try to criticize Stafford for being a stat patter and for not actually being a very capable quarterback of leading a Super Bowl team. Yeah, he proved today. I, I'm pretty sure he's talented enough to do that. Yeah, I will. I will definitely say, as a Chiefs fan, I am. I'm officially worried. This team just looks different. There's just something. You know, obviously the defense is awful, and like I said, the, the offense is what troubles me more at this point. They just there's something schematically that they haven't figured out yet. But we'll disagree on that. I, I okay. think that the defense is the issue because they can't stop anybody. Well, I mean, it's a huge part of it, but like I said, the the offense normally you count on them, and they just haven't been there. And we talked we talked earlier, we talked last week about how this Chiefs team was so good in one score games and how that wasn't sustainable that they put themselves on that knife's edge knife's edge every game and we're able to pull it off and you've seen it two weeks in a row where you expect Mahomes to just rally at the last minute go down there drive down the field and get the game winner two weeks in a row it has not happened two weeks in a row it hasn't even been particularly close so uh all right now we're going to save the best for last Scott this is uh <laughs> this is a great one um we're going to find out who was the gambling hero of the day? Who made that money? Who let their who let those people take home that paper, Scott? Let's find out who it was in today's edition of Gambling Hero of the Day. All right, go ahead. So for this one, we gotta be looking at the Detroit and Baltimore game. Because there was an NFL record set on a game-winning play, which really does not happen that often, Justin Tucker, who is by far the best kicker of all time, if you're a Vinatieri truther, I'm sorry to tell you this, but you're wrong. Tucker's the best kicker of all time. Anyway, he ended up hitting a game-winning 66-yard, which is an NFL record, by the way, kick at the buzzer or as clock expired and won Baltimore the game. Now, I know Baltimore didn't cover, but of course, you had Baltimore survivors, you had Baltimore money line parlays, and I know maybe one or two of us also had a Baltimore teaser or two, and that yep. ended up working out quite well. But the point is that Justin Tucker, he's the closest thing to an automatic kicker that you can possibly find on the planet ever. And I know he's the greatest of all time. I think you'd agree with me. He's just from another planet. I mean, he's just something else. That kick, and you, and you kind of mentioned, uh, not necessarily the best part, but a really good part. Oh, that hit the crossbar. It hit the crossbar yeah. and bounced in. Because I saw it hit the crossbar, because I did. I had it I had it as my last play on a three-team three teaser. We had uh, Arizona and Buffalo easily covered the number there. Uh, we had Baltimore minus the one and or one and a half, whatever it was at. And when he hit the crossbar, I'm like, no. And then I saw it. And then I saw it cross. And I was like, Oh my God. I literally, I yelled Scott and pounded my desk and I never, you, you know how it is as a gambler. You, you, you don't like show emotions. You don't live and die with the, every game on your sleeve. It's just, it, it wears you out. But that one, well, that was his, that was historic. Yes. I mean, that was, that yes. was something else. It was, it was really unbelievable. And it was again, put me on the right side of a three-game teaser, and it was for myself, and it was for my premium clients. I was very excited about that when he hit that. So, hey, quick reminder, guys, you are listening as to far Winners, as I'm Winners concerned, Winners Radio. Yeah, sorry. Don't stop. The, don't, no, no, don't stop sorry. the sting, Scott. Give us an hour, and we'll give you the winners. Go ahead, sir. 
Well, I was going to say I, I was about to talk and then you started talking at the same time. My bad. Right. But anyway, um, I was going to say, in my opinion, I think that might be the second best kick of all time because I still put the Vinatieri kick in the snow against Oakland at number one after the tuck, after the tuck rule came into play. What was that 44 yards? Uh, something like that. But hey. in that snow and everything like that, I think that's the best kick of all time. Well, it's not. But, but... I'm putting that at number two, in my opinion. The best kick of all time, Tom Dempsey hitting a 63-yarder. Because nobody was making them like that. You mean from just kick running straight instead of the curve? No, nobody, nobody was, up? nobody was making fifty yarders back then, Scott. But I'm he, saying he also would just run straight, right? He yeah, he was a straight. He was a he was a straight yeah. on. He was a straight on kicker. Uh, much like you know who the last straight on kicker was. I have no idea. Mark Mosley of the of the well, then Washington Redskins. But anyway, NFL, NFL MVP winning. That's right. That's right. But yeah, he was. Uh, that was still a fantastic kick. It was a sloppy field there at Tulane, but. The Venetieri kick, it was, a, of course, the Saints game, that was just a random, you know, that was just a random home game in the middle of the season. The Venetieri kick, of course, was the playoffs and was huge. And, of course, it was it was aided by, what they call it, Scott? Was it Shovelgate or what, when he came out and cleared the spot on the field? Uh, yeah. Then they, I would not have used the timeout there to uh, let the Patriots get extra time. They, they had the guy, he was, I don't know if you ever heard this story, but he was actually on work release from a prison. No, that was a different game. What's that? That was the Patriots Dolphins game from like 1980 something. It was. I thought it was. The, I thought it was the same game. The same guy they sent yeah. out with the with the snowplow. Different game. You sure? Hundred percent. Okay. All right. I'm I'm conflating. I'm conflating my New England snow stories. Then there's a lot of them. I'm sure. <laughs> Very good. All right. So, couple. We got a couple of minutes here. Let's talk about some takeaways from last weekend. From this weekend, rather. You've got a couple of surprising teams. I think the West, the, the AFC West, Scott, is that the biggest surprising division right now? You've got two teams at the top with 3-0 and records. I don't think that was unexpected. Uh, the identity of those teams certainly is expect, unexpected as the Raiders and Broncos sit atop the West. Chargers with one defeat, and the Chiefs are 1-2 and two on the season. You got anything? What do you, what do you got that's more surprising than that? Uh, not really much. I do think, though, that those records are inflated. Because Denver has played absolutely nobody. Yeah, there's, they've certainly benefited from playing that last place schedule, haven't they? So Denver, I still don't think is very good. The defense is good. I'll yep. give them that. I think Teddy Two Gloves is okay at quarterback. But, I mean, this team, you got to at least acknowledge who they've played. Right. You beat the Giants, who were over. Right. You beat the Jets, who were over. Yep. And they also beat the – who else did they beat? They beat the – Jacksonville? Uh. Yeah, I think it was Jacksonville. Yeah, just, so the point is they beat three teams that are over. Yeah. Yep. So am I supposed to be impressed you beat a team that's a combined 0-9? Agreed. Like, no. So I, I think that's fine. The Raiders, I guess. I mean, they beat Baltimore. I still don't think Baltimore's that good, but that's a separate story. Okay. Uh, they beat Miami with a backup quarterback. And, yeah, they're fine. But I would say that the scheduling has been a decent reason why the Broncos and Raiders are in first place right now. Yep, can't argue with that. All right, we were gonna hit. We were gonna hit college, but you know what? We're out of time, buddy. We've got. We'll save it for tomorrow. We will, and we've actually got a special guest that'll be on the Wednesday show. Talk a little fit, football. Uh, Chris Kubala from winnersandwiners.com is going to stop by, so maybe we will save it for that. But let's talk about this game tonight because we have a we have a Monday night football game, Scott. I know we've kind of been avoiding it a little bit. It's not one of those. I guess for a certain segment of the country, it's a big marquee matchup. It is a big rivalry game there from the NFC East as the uh, the Eagles travel down to Jerry, Jerry World to take on the Dallas Cowboys. 
Cowboys right now, Scott, three and a half point favorites, although we're starting to see some three creep in here. Three and three and a half across the board is pretty much even money. Um so what's your what's your thoughts on this one? I think this game's gonna be close, obviously, because the spread's low. Uh, the spread's low, so I think it's going to come down to the wire. However, I don't know what to think of Philly's defense without Brandon Graham. And I think that's going to be a problem. Now, of course, the defense was good against uh, San Francisco <laughs> last week. The offense didn't really do much, which is concerning. But if I was looking at this matchup, the question that I have is, can Jalen Hurts actually pick apart a terrible defense? Because last year, Dallas's defense stunk. And, well, Hurts was awful against Dallas. So he's got to make adjustments. He wasn't very good last week against San Francisco, but San Francisco's defense is a lot better than Dallas's. Right. I think it's going to come down to the quarterback play, obviously, because I think that Dak should be able to pick apart this Philly team. The question is, can Hurts do the same against an awful defense where you have a lot of bend but don't break philosophy because they give up a lot of yards, but against the Chargers last week, they ended up doing a pretty good job of keeping them out of the end zone. Mm -hmm. The way I see it, I think Hurts plays well. I think Dak plays well. I see a war. I'm looking at the over. You? Yeah, I'm kind of with you. The thing that worries me about about Philly is the fact that the yes, they're going to be going up against this Dallas defense, which you know certainly well documented, not and not, not an elite unit. But they're going to be doing it without their starting left tackle in uh, Jordan Milata, and they're going to be doing it without their starting right guard Brandon Brooks. That's that's two huge pieces missing off that line. So I'm thinking that I wouldn't be surprised if if Dallas can do some damage here, Scott. That's that's kind of where I'm at in this game. I think I don't I don't love the defense like you said, but I think they've got some pieces and they certainly have a uh, one man wrecking crew so far in uh, Micah Parsons. Are you are you are you down with it Micah Parsons for uh, defensive rookie of the year? As of right now, I would vote for him. Yep. I was going to vote for him before the season started because once Sean Lee retired, you had a huge gap there and you knew that he was going to be the guy to fill it. But I still think that he was a position the Cowboys didn't really need because their secondary is so bad and the defensive line's terrible. But Parsons has been good. I mean, you're looking at the other rookies. Sertan had a pick against Lawrence uh, two weeks ago. Uh, but other than that, has, have any rookies really done much? Oh, uh, the uh, OA for uh, Baltimore has been okay. Okay, I, I know that Zayvon Collins has been pretty good as well, but mm -hmm. I think Parsons, Parsons is leading the way. Yeah, Micah Parsons, Scott, he's he's been on the field for 40 pass attempts, and he's had pressure on the quarterback on 11 of them. That's mm -hmm. that's pretty impressive, and especially impressive for a rookie. Um, are you worried about this defense that's going to be without their Mike linebacker and Ken O'Neill? You're going to have to have Van Der Esch step into the middle spot? Well, the answer would have to be yes, right? Because I said I like the over. Right, yeah, that's... That's that's the thing that worries me about that is you know Vander is more of an outside guy. I don't. But I'm saying we we've talked about this Cowboys defense in the past. Week yeah. one, Tampa three receivers, all very good, and Tampa eight. Week two, you had the Chargers. It, Mike Williams, who's been very good this year, Keenan Allen, and even though the Chargers didn't score many points, I believe they never punted because Herbert had 300 and something passing yards, and right. they couldn't stop the pass, and that's how that worked itself out. So now you have Devontae Smith, Rieger, who's been good and Watkins, who's got speed. And do I think the Cowboys can stay in front of all these guys? I don't. So I think you're going to see a decent amount of big plays. I think you're going to see a lot of offensive firepower being showcased in this game. I, I'm picking Dallas. I think Dallas will win somewhere between four and seven points, but I like the over. Okay. I'm a big fan of the over as well. I do have a premium play on the side, but I think this is going to be 
I think this is going to be a team. I think this is going to be a game where I think Dallas has the superior offense, but I think uh, I think Philly's going to have to chase. So yeah, I agree. All right, very good. And I'm a big fan of Dallas team total over. By the way, I'm going to get that at 27 and a half. Um, let's turn to baseball, Scott. It's going to be the last week of the baseball season. The races are really bunching up there. How about those Yankees? Mm. Big sweep, huge. Yes, yeah. The, the Yankees playing good ball. They're seven, seven and three over their last ten. They've moved into the lead for the wild card position. Oh, what a difference a week makes, huh, Scott? Yep. Um, them and the Yankees in Boston are your current wild card teams. I know that's thrilling for everybody outside of the New York and Boston area. We couldn't be happier for you guys. Mm-hmm. Um, no sarcasm at all. No, nah, none at all. So Toronto's a game back. The Mariners are two back. A's are three back. I mean, kind of, kind of a light card here today, Scott. We've got just, what do we got, five games on the card? Uh, yes, and we might be saving one for later. We are going to save one for later. It's even money on whether I remember to do that or not. But uh, what gets your attention here? We've got... We've... Well, there's one I'm going to just interrupt you that i got to talk about. Okay. It's Kansas City and Cleveland. Okay. Give me the team total in Cleveland. Give me really anything fading color because... He's just bad. Jackson. I, I know that he was great in the minors. He's been awful in, in the majors. Don't he's you want me to four, tell you that he's got good stuff? He's a 4A guy. That's that's kind of the vibe I'm getting from him. He just doesn't get it done whenever he's in the game. And Cleveland has been great against Kansas City. So Quantrill's been good. Mm-hmm. Give me Cleveland team total over. Cleveland run line, really whatever you want. Yep, kind of. It's kind of hard to it not take that. Jackson Coar is a guy that... It's, it's his first season. He probably hasn't made five, six starts, so I'm not quite ready to write him off as a permanent 4A guy. As of right now, he's appeared to be a 4A I guy. I believe he is overmatched in, in this game, however. Any thoughts on uh, Keiko and Manning going for uh, Chicago White Sox and the Detroit Tigers? Well, quickly, I'll go with Detroit. Okay. Chicago won the division. I'm not really sure what they're playing for. Detroit seems to really want to finish 500. I'll go with Detroit. All right, very good. All right, buddy, you alluded to it. We, gotta get rip, we get, need to get ripping here. It is time for us to put our heads together, come up with our very best play of the day. Once again, ladies and gentlemen, climb aboard your John Deere and fire that baby up because it's re- get ready to bet that farm. All right, who is it? So for the farm play, we're going to look at the Mariners' money line at minus 106 offshore. Mariners playing really good ball, won seven of their last eight. Mariners have killed Oakland this season. They've won 12 of 16 meetings, including each of the last nine. Irvin's been terrible against the Mariners, 0-4, ERA of 7.68 and a whip of 2.09. Flexen's been one of the most profitable pitchers in baseball, if not the most profitable. And the Mariners have just owned this team. They're playing really good ball, and Oakland has been falling apart for the last couple of months at this point. Give us Seattle at barely a pick them, you know, whatever price you can find. Yep, yep. And uh, Mariners have been moneymakers all year long. They're second most profitable uh, team in baseball behind San Francisco. Most profitable road team in the American League. Of course, they're playing this one at home. Doesn't matter. Take the Mariners here. Bet the farm. Do yourself a favor and get down on Chris Flexen. Who? That's right, Chris Flexen. You know him. You love him. He's going to make you money tonight. That's going to do it for the Monday edition of uh, the Winners and Winers Radio. Just rip by, man. Thanks for joining us. As always, we appreciate it. Scott, thanks for stopping by from Vegas. And, of course, we wish you guys nothing but the best on all of your plays. Come back and see us tomorrow on Winners and Winers Radio. Take care, everybody.